0: From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar.
1: What is all this, Johnny?
0: Who's this? Roy Vickers, New Britain Mutual.
2: What happened to Valentine? He was gunned down last night going into a hotel with his wife. No. The police here are turning the city upside down trying to get a line on two unidentified gunmen. Well, couldn't you keep him alive? I couldn't even find him. Well,
1: uh, well, this is no time to be yelling at each other. I just left his daughter.
2: Huh? She filed claim already? Through that lawyer Webster? No,
1: no, she didn't even know anything about him until the papers broke the story. Well, I I'm sorry I got annoyed for a second. Do what you can, Johnny. I'll want a full report.
2: Sure,
0: Roy, sure. Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
2: (laughs) Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the New Britain Mutual Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is a further accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Valentine matter. Item 9, $7 for dinner. I had it with Inspector Charles DeBaca, New Orleans Police. He was a haggard, tired-looking man about that time. All of us were. You want some more coffee? No, no thanks.
1: Two men, both about six feet, wearing dark suits and hats, medium to slight builds. One possibly 35, the other possibly 40.
2: Well, that about ties up with the description of the two men who plugged Valentine earlier and earned him a place in the hospital.
1: Yeah. We got more of a chance this time, though. There'll be some other witnesses... Somebody has to tell us what kind of a car they had and what direction they went.
2: One thing, they weren't using silencers anymore.
1: No, but they did a professional job. I think Valentine knew them, climbed out of that hospital bed to go out looking for him.
2: Sounds reasonable. How do you figure the rest of it, Inspector?
1: Well, Valentine saw the newspaper story and knew his wife was in town. He went over, got her, and I take it they were going to check into a new hotel when their friends showed up.
2: She just happened to get in the way, huh? Sure. Why'd anybody want to shoot her? Why would anybody want to shoot him?
1: Well, because no matter what he was now or how he was playing it, he still lived pretty hard way back then. A man who's lived the kind of life he has and done the things he has is bound to make few
2: enemies to remember. No, I think it has something to do with his family. I agree with you that Valentine probably made enemies all over. But he wasn't the kind of man to get excited about any of those kind of people. He pretty well knew how to take care of himself and handle trouble. That's why he was out looking for you. You sound pretty certain. It seems to me that if Valentine had been expecting trouble from some of the old-timers, he'd have carried a gun. You got a point.
1: But then again, he was pretty gentled up. You know how he spent most of his time? Painting. Huh? That house he bought out in Jefferson Parish is covered with pictures he's done since he's been out. Oils. Pretty good, too. When he wasn't painting, he was listening to
2: music. (laughs) You'd hardly think of Danny Valentine taking up the arts.
1: Hardly ever. Well, I've got to make a call and get busy.
2: Yeah. Inspector. Yeah? Any objection to me going out and looking around that house?
1: It's your privilege. Personally, I'm going to look around town for a couple of gunmen.
2: Anyone out there now?
1: His cook. names Jacino.
2: Nice woman. Okay, I'll keep in touch with you, Inspector.
1: Do that. Uh, Dollar. Now what? You forgot to tell me you looked up the old family lawyer, Conrad Webster, the other night.
2: Oh, I was trying to find Valentine, the same as you.
1: Well, if you happen to run into Webster again, you tell him to drop in and see me.
2: Huh?
1: He's missing.
2: I didn't know what to say to that, so I left him standing there and went back to my hotel and shaved, changed clothes, and tried to go over the whole thing in my mind. I did phone into the police station and find out that the slugs that had killed Valentine and his wife were from an italian make pistol, a Rombero, 37.5 caliber, so far untraced. Expense account, item 10, cost of cab. From my hotel to Danny Valentine's house in Jefferson Parish. Uh,
3: yes, sir? How do you do?
2: Are you Mrs. Iaccino?
3: Yes, sir. Who are you, please? My name is
2: Johnny Dollar, Mrs. Iachino. I'm from New Britain Mutual Insurance Company. I'd like to talk to you, if I may.
3: About uh, Mr. Valentine? Yes. Not right now, Mr. Dollar. Some other time, huh?
2: Well, if you prefer it that way, Mrs. Iaccino, but...
3: It's uh... a... Been a hard day here. I, I mean, Mr. Valentine's death and his wife being killed with him. All of these policemen in and out of here and now. Miss Ward and all. Miss
2: Ward? His daughter?
3: Yes, she's here. Arrived two hours ago. She's... Stay here. Could I see her? You come tomorrow, Mr. Dollar, please. And uh, tomorrow... Oh, Mrs. Yachino. Uh, yes, Miss Ward. Who is it? Uh, uh, Mr. Dollar, he's from the insurance company. The I- insurance company? Yes. I'd like to talk to Mrs. Yacino.
2: Teresa Ward stood at the base of the Iron Grill stairway, tall and dark-eyed. And I saw that, like her mother, she had a quiet intensity about her face that made it beautiful, at the same time, ageless. She smiled politely at me. I could only stand there without speaking for a long moment, looking at her. Then Mrs. Iaccino excused herself, and we were alone.
4: I wanted to talk to someone who might be able to give me a little more information about all this. It's all quite new to me.
2: I'll tell you what I can, Miss Ward.
4: My name is Valentine, isn't it? Really, Valentine?
2: Yes, it is.
4: Well, suppose we correct that mistake right now.
2: Sure. There's nothing wrong with Valentine.
4: From what a Mr. Vickers from the insurance office in Hartford told me, I'm to be quite well off because of this man that was murdered.
2: You mean Dan Valentine?
4: Yes, Dan Valentine. They tell me he was my father. Who told you? Oh, reporters at home and... Your insurance company. Mother told me my name was Ward. Poor thing. Must have been difficult for her over the years, keeping the secret from me.
2: Yes, she told me she thought it was the best thing. She, uh, well, the same as he did.
4: Tell me about my father. Was he a bad man? Oh,
2: as good or as bad as the Volstead Act made people. I only met him a couple of times.
4: Awaken one morning and discover that you're the only daughter of a famous racketeer who's been murdered.
2: Look, Miss Ward, if he had anything to do with the way you turned out, uh, with what you seem to possess within yourself, I'd say offhand that whatever he was or did, he thought of you.
4: Are you flattering me?
2: I'm not trying to. You seem like a very nice person.
4: And so do you, Mr. Dollar. Will you tell me all about this, please? Well, let's see. Uh,
2: You're 21, isn't that right? Yes. Just about 15 years ago or so, your father was on trial for income tax evasion. Just before he was convicted, he set up a trust fund with my insurance company to provide for you. It's been paying money for your support and education ever since. According to the terms of the trust, all of the money becomes yours now that your mother and father are dead. It comes to well over $50,000.
4: That's all there is to it? Mm Mm-hmm. I suppose I'm grateful to him. I suppose I should be grateful. I can't say that I'm particularly sorry about his death any more than I would be if any other human being died violently somewhere. But about Mother's death, I I miss her very much
3: already, Mr. (laughs) Dollar.
2: She was holding up pretty well until that point. Then she let go. I held her in my arms and I talked to her. I told her what I knew of her father's life and death. She told me how she'd been reared so far removed from anything that might have connected her in the least way with the Valentine name. Altogether, it was a revealing conversation for both of us. Mrs. Iacchino brought us some food and wine.
4: How long will you be in New Orleans?
2: Until all of this is straightened out.
4: You mean until they find out who killed my mother and father?
2: Yes. How about you?
4: Oh, I really don't know. After the funerals, I suppose I'll go back. But I wanted to see him, to see what he looked like, what kind of life he led. He was just an ordinary man, wasn't he? Have you seen these pictures before?
2: No, this is my first time in the house. Look like Italian landscapes to me. Very good.
4: Mm -hmm. Must have been something he had with Mother. Hmm? She was from Italy.
2: May I ask you something? Yes. How do you feel about him now?
4: Is this for your report?
2: For myself.
4: Well, since you've been here these last two hours, I, I've i begun to think of him for what he was. My father, I mean. I'd like to know why he was killed and who did it. Will I see you again?
2: I hope so. Terry. Yes? I hope so very much.
4: So do I, Johnny.
2: I left her at the door that night with a warm sensation inside of me. Something I certainly hadn't expected in the business at hand. Mm-hmm. The next morning I was back at the house talking to Mrs. Yachino. She gave me all the information she could remember about Valentine's activities. All of it accurate, but lacking in any possible clue as to the identity of the two men who had killed him and his wife. I had breakfast with Terry there and helped you with funeral arrangements. Then I spent a solid 12 hours with Inspector DeBaca, who had still not located or identified the two mysterious men. However, there were other developments.
1: This may be something, Johnny. Oh? Conrad Webster's been found. Huh? Up by Lake, punched train. Just identified him. He was shot to death with a 37.5.
2: Italian gun?
1: Yeah, Just like the one that killed Dan Valentine and his wife.
2: It later developed that the slugs taken from Webster's body when compared with those that had killed the Valentines were fired from the same weapon. The case took on proportions. Every available bit of information regarding the two ex-big shots of the 20s was located read and reread. It meant activity in cities like St. Louis, Chicago, Detroit, and New York. But no new information as to the identity of the killers. I went back to the house. Johnny. Here, here, here. What is this? You're shaking.
4: Hold me, please. Sure. I suppose I'm being a terrible fool about it all, Johnny, but they've been after me all day. Cheap little things. Newspaper syndicate wants me to write my exclusive story as the shadow daughter of Dan Valentine fairy princess of a racket, Take it easy, take it easy. Even Hollywood called a producer. Oh, Johnny, I shouldn't have come here at all. Then what would I have done, Terry? And what would I have done? Make yourself a drink, Johnny. I'll go put on a new face.
2: It had become apparent to me in the short time I'd known her that she'd grown to love the memory of her father. Also, that the pressure of all that had happened was beginning to take its toll on her. We were walking down the gravel path away from the house. She was quieted down. I suppose I was thinking how nice it would be to kiss her. I twisted, trying for the gun inside my pocket, but there was nobody to shoot at. The two men who had fired the guns were already out of sight. I was alone with Terry Valentine, who was hanging on the gate. I caught her before she fell. She was dead before I could answer.
0: There'll be the final intriguing episode in our story of the Valentine matter tomorrow. Tomorrow, a sober lesson in how long, how far, and how
2: deadly one man's hate can be. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
0: Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by John Dawson. It is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Be sure to join us tomorrow night, same time and station, for another exciting episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, Roy Rowan speaking. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Hey, what are you doing at the Valentine house? Get a car out here quick,
2: Inspector. Terry Valentine's just been shot. Two guys now, showed slow up... slow down, slow down. when did all this happen? A few seconds ago. The ambulance? No good, Debaca. She... she died in my arms. Oh. Well, do you think they're still around there? They must be. I'm going looking. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is a police matter. You stay
1: put. I'll we'll have a car then in five <laughs> minutes and you can... Johnny, I heard that. Your gun... Now, look, you're all wound up. Don't do anything.
0: Tonight and every weekday night, Bob Bailey in the transcribed adventures of the man with the action packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. <laughs>
2: Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the New Britain Mutual Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of further expenditures during my investigation of the Valentine matter. Dan Valentine, ex-gangster and, of course, your policyholder. But then his wife was killed, too. Then his lawyer. Then his daughter. The girl that I... Thirty seconds after Terry Valentine died in my arms, I was stumbling down the gravel path that led from her house to the road. It had all happened so suddenly I can't say that what I did from there on or what I felt was entirely rational. All I know is I hadn't heard a car leave the area, which meant the two killers were still somewhere nearby. Then in the dim light I saw the car. A man was climbing into it. Hey! Hey, stop!
0: Stop or I'll shoot! Stop! (laughs) Get out of there. Get out of there and get your hands up. I'm a hit. I'm afraid to move. Come
2: on,
5: get out. Come on. I'm coming, I'm coming. You two, come on, come on. There's no use on him, mister. He used up. You got him real good. (laughs) I need a doctor.
2: Help me get to a doctor. Stop right there. Doctor. Stand still.
5: You pretty tough fella. What's your name? Sisto. Sisto what? It's good enough for you. I need a doctor. Bad. (coughs) Listen.
2: (coughs) Tell it to me. Tell it to me right now. If you don't tell it to me now, you'll never tell it to
5: anybody. Tell it. No. Tell it. I need a doctor. Tell it. I die first.
2: Johnny.
1: Johnny.
5: What is this? Who's he? He's going to kill me. He's going to kill me.
1: Now, you better give me that gun, Johnny. The state will take care of him. Thanks.
2: I should have done it. I wanted to do it. I know, son. Come on, let's get out of here. But I didn't get out of there. I waited around while they dug the body of the other man out of the smashed-up car and while they carried the still, limp form of Teresa Valentine away. She was the third member of the family who had died violently within three days.
1: Sorry about it, Donna.
2: Inspector, I was hoping I might have been wrong. But she wasn't dead. Oh, you weren't wrong. Which one shot her? The dead one
1: or the one we still got in the hospital? Oh, I don't know. Both of them, I guess. You don't feel like talking, it. I'm just trying to pin it down. What about him? Can't get much out of him so far. He's in pretty bad shape.
2: Let me ask him some questions, Inspector. I'm no police officer. I don't have to obey any rules. Now take
1: it easy, kid. You were about to do that once, and we'd be holding you for murder if you had gone ahead. I know how you feel about Teresa Valentine.
2: <sighs> Has he said anything at all?
1: Nothing. We found papers on him and the other one that makes him brothers, Sisto and Darby Chianti, from New York. So far, it doesn't seem to be any connection with the Valentines. Uh, but people like Valentine make a lot of enemies. That girl doesn't figure. Yeah. I know you talked to her a lot these last couple of days, Johnny. What'd you say?
2: Oh, nothing that had anything to do with this. You know yourself, she didn't even know her name was Valentine until her father got shot at. Yeah, that could have been an act. And you could have been 20 feet tall. Just trying. Try with that punk you got upstairs in the hospital. We will, Johnny. We will. Just... Just... Pardon
1: news. Maybe I spoke too soon. Why? Sisto Chianti
2: died five minutes ago. Expense account, item 10, 10 bucks. Car rental. I went out to the Valentine house once more.
3: Oh, Mr. Dollar. Hello,
2: Mrs. Yacino.
3: Please come in. So many policemen, so many reporters. I've been trying to close the house. Sure, I know how you must feel. I mean, about her. What of these uh, Chianti brothers?
2: Well, we don't know much about them yet. The New York police is still doing a rundown on them. Uh, Don't let me stop you, whatever you're doing. I'll just look around if you don't mind. All right. Oh, one thing. Yes? Did Mr. Valentine make any provision for you?
3: Yes. He thought of me. A thousand dollars. Whatever he was, the man I knew was kind and good. And his scenes had been forgiven him.
2: I spent two hours or better going from room to room, looking at the oils that Dan Valentine had painted. Pastoral scenes, happy scenes, gay scenes, all of them with colorful Italian backgrounds. I was thinking about that when I walked into Inspector DeBaca's office late that afternoon.
1: I don't get it, Johnny. Don't get what? Here. This came from New York on the Chanty Boys. Oh? They came to this country when they were 18 and 21. Both of them were naturalized citizens, lived with their father. Records? Not a thing, no trouble ever. What else? That's about it. New York police can't seem to locate their old man. Disappeared about a week ago, lived on the east side. What's about him? That's another funny thing. He's taken out his papers and was due for an examination with the immigration people this week. They're looking for him, too.
2: We went out and had dinner together and talked about the case. It had been a strange one. The deaths were useless, the motives unknown. I parted company with Inspector DeBaca and went back to my hotel to trouble it out with sleep. About 11 o'clock, I had a phone call. Johnny Dollar. This is DeBaca. And Chanty just showed up, but I said him off and wants to take his two sons back to New York for burial. Twenty minutes later, I was standing in the coroner's office while Inspector DeBaca led a small, wizened old man into the room and sat him down on one of the chairs. Mr. Chanty, it's Mr. Dollar.
5: How do you do? Mr. Chanty. I read about you. You killed my boys. Is it so? Yes. They'd killed four other people. I know, I know,
2: but why did they kill the Valentine family, Mr. Chandy? Why did they kill Conrad Webster, the lawyer? Do you know why? She, I know. Then tell me.
5: They're all dead now. I'm, I'm still alive, Mr. Dollar. He refused to talk about his sons or
2: any of their activities. De Banca held him to answer to the immigration officials. He remained in his cell, silent and noncommittal to all visitors, including the chaplain. I appeared before the coroner's jury the following morning and was cleared of any charges. Pietro Chianti still had said nothing. And he looked at me as though he was going to keep on saying nothing. Uh, Mr. Chianti.
5: I see you, Mr. Dora. More questions?
2: Dan Valentine's wife was your daughter, wasn't she? Wasn't (sighs) she? she? All right, you don't have to admit it. I have a copy of the marriage license right here. It came from New York this morning.
5: She was my daughter. Is that all you have to say now? I no talk. Then I will, Mr. Chanti. Because your
2: daughter, Mrs. Valentine, had a daughter herself, Teresa. A lovely, wonderful girl that your two sons killed. I happen to know that girl. I might have been in love
5: with her, I don't know. But I do know. She had to die too. What? This uh, Conrad Webster Mr. Valentine and my own daughter and granddaughter, they had to die all bad. You see, I order it, you ordered it. And who are you, God? I am the father. When a daughter marries a bad man, only bad can come from it. The granddaughter was little bad. He come to our village many years ago, take her away. He and the man Webster help him. It, it lived with me the stealing of my own flesh and blood. All this time, it grow inside of me. I am old, but I keep on living, only so I can come here and find him and destroy him, and her, and the daughter, and the lawyer, man who helped him. And I destroyed them through my sons, a whole family. Vendetta. Was that it? If you like, Bender, he was a bad man who did bad things. Bad man. I, I smoke now. You have a cigar, eh?
2: The disposition of old Pietro Chianti is up to the immigration department. I didn't stay around New Orleans to learn the results of all the extensive examinations that would have to be completed to test his sanity. I'd had enough of the town. Expense account, item 11, $140.20, hotel and board. Item 12, $28, car rental miscellaneous. That includes flowers to the Valentine family. Item 13, same as item 1, $175. Transportation back home. Expense account total $1,290.38. Remarks? Whenever I close my eyes, I can see a lovely girl standing at the bottom of a long, curving stairway, smiling because I'm in the room. That's all. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
0: Remember, please, there'll be another exciting story for you beginning next Monday night. Monday? The Lorco Diamond Matter, in which a trip to Algiers makes come with me to the Casbah
2: sound like an invitation to a Sunday school picnic. Join us, won't you? Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
0: Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, starring Bob Bailey, is transcribed in Hollywood. Written by John Dawson, it is produced and directed by Jack Johnstone. Heard in this week's cast were Lillian Bayef, Betty Lou Gerson, Barney Phillips, Will Wright, Forrest Lewis, Marvin Miller, Jane Avello, and Jack Boyles. Be sure to join us on Monday night, same time and station, for another exciting story of Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Roy Rowan speaking.